Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey guys, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Hey. Hey. Hey, welcome back. Ooh, I like this guy. Do you? I bet you don't. No, I don't. I knew it. <laughs> I can always tell when you are hu- when you're humoring <laughs> a, like a voice or a character that I'm Well, generating. after eight years of marriage. Happy anniversary. We are so tired that we didn't plan nothing to do today. Yeah, I we I think we kind of knew though, right? Like right. when Henry was born on Black Friday. Yeah. Uh we knew that our anniversary was going to kind of suffer as a result, and that has been pretty right. much universally true. Yeah. But that's okay. You know, that's okay. Uh, we have plenty of time coming up to shower each other. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In in water and in love. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Our sh- when our shower's almost finished yeah, in our sure. new bathroom, I can't wait. Um, but also, you know, right around the corner from from that Christmas, from that Christmas creep, yeah. You know, and then and then it's birthday season for you and me, uh huh. And Gus, and Gus was born the day after my birthday, so yeah. We maybe, fucked up a lot of timings. Maybe we didn't did ruin we? a lot of things by having children, huh? We should have. Like <laughs> August looks pretty good to me, the month, not the child. Although that's going to get confusing he's too. Kind of a cutie. Um. And so, like, we could have gotten married there or... Play- but yes, uh, to circle back, I, I don't like that voice that you did. Okay. <laughs> Do you think we should have planned our conception better so that we would have had a child, like, in, I, I, I don't know, May? Late May? That yeah, would have been great. But for all those out there I with mean, May we'd birthdays... we have to go to Poundtown in, <laughs> I think, in August. For all those with May birthdays, though, I'm sure they would tell you that their birthday often gets uh, not as celebrated because a lot of, for example, school is out of session in May and maybe, you Um, know, like having, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, we couldn't really plan much with having the baby because we really did try for a very long time in both cases. Right. But I feel like like, we could have gone, we could have done it, you know, like super good in August. Like I was, I think we can both agree we were really phoning it in for most of the time. This is very personal. Thank you for listening. This is wonderful. It's a show we talk about things we like, things that we're into. And do you want to talk about a uh, small wonder? Because I know Ooh. what mine is. You should go first. F- fucking Encanto, my man. Oh my god. Or Encanto. No, yeah. See, I I've been wanting to say Encanto, and I have had a lot of people correct me and say Encanto. Yes. And I feel like one is maybe Americanized and one isn't. Yes. And maybe I'm trying too hard when I say Encanto. Uh, I don't, I'm not 100% sure. But I feel like sure. that's how they say it in the film. Yeah, I think so too. Anyway, this, anyway, this great film, film is astonishing. We saw it with Henry uh, all, all together and uh, yeah, it's so dope. Like, I, I, I hope this doesn't come, this endorsement doesn't come off as, as biased because, you know, we adore Lynn and... Uh, it, in, enjoy him so very much. Uh, but this movie is the first movie I've seen in a long time that like fucked me up. The last yeah. maybe twenty five minutes of it just had me. Yeah. Uh, just had me leaking from all my head. For parts. me, it was almost the whole film. Yes. Um, and I think that's because it works. It works very nicely on the level that your kids will appreciate, which is just like, oh, it's this family of people with superpowers, and there's great music in it. But then there's like a deeper level about like family and and, and it feeling and feeling inadequate connection. when compared to the family yeah. and the pressure that like Ooh. those superpowers or talent or whatever put put on the people that they like aren't allowed to, to talk about or surface yeah. like 
Yeah. Like if you have ever had a complicated uh, relationship with a family member, uh, which is probably 100% of our listeners, I would assume, right. uh, that movie is going to do things to you. It is It is also like an exploration of magical realism to a scale that like I've, I've never seen really in an animated movie before. Like it felt it felt like a classic from like the very first scene uh and i can't i can't endorse it enough i think it's my favorite movie of of the year for sure what about um what about you this is gonna sound a little commercialism of me but i like a good gift shop when you are visiting a place sure you know like we so we went to the aquarium in seattle which was perfect for our children yeah uh and they had a really nice little gift shop at the end a bunch of like cute cute clothing items and toys and stuff and and it was just really nice because you know our son is of an age where anytime we go anywhere he is interested in whether or not there's going to be a store there a store a store there so he can get a toy right uh and sometimes you get to the end of these places and they're just here's some buttons and shot glasses yeah like here's a magnet uh and uh something that you could probably buy anywhere but we stamped our name on it. Yeah. The Seattle Aquarium gift shop was really great. Thank you, Seattle Aquarium gift shop. Thank I bet you. you never thought you were going to get <laughs> highlighted on this particular yeah. podcast, but here we are. Hey, do you want to tell me about your thing? Yes. Cool. So in, inspired by our recent uh, trip to Seattle, my first thing is oysters. Yeah. Largely in the fact that we were not able to get them. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> but I love those slimy little guys. Yeah, they're they're it's it's like um it's fun to eat. It's mm-hmm. like a lunchable. Mhm. I was really excited because I think I like Pacific oysters I maybe do. better. I do as well. They're the, that's probably my And it's boy how do we sound hoity-toity when we say that. We've had oysters maybe 10 times total at restaurants. We yeah, are not I feel like, like experts, but We've I don't eaten. know if this is true for you, but for me, like, I don't think I really started eating oysters until I met you. Yo, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was eating fucking hot dogs and ramen, like, nonstop and Taco Bell. Does Taco Bell do oysters? Let me try and rem- No, they don't do oysters. I mean, there is a shell uh, that, that is crunchy, but it is not a oyster shell. Yeah, for me, it didn't, we took a trip to New Orleans shortly after uh, we had gotten together yeah. with all of our friends, and we ate oysters a lot. That's when it really, uh, that's when it really hit for me. I was like, "Oh mm-hmm. shit, I like these slimy little fellas." Yeah, I feel like Griffin and I are, are relatively food adventurous, uh, and that has led us to oysters. Yeah, um, and I, th- I was trying to figure out why I liked it because it's difficult to kind of explain because they are unlike anything else you know like you can't really compare it to anything like if you were trying to sell okay here this is a good exercise if you were trying to sell somebody on oysters what would you say I mean oh god I would probably <laughs> just like quote the uh, intro chapter to Anthony Bourdain's uh, what was his book called Kitchen Confidential oh yeah huh he like talks about honestly reading that probably is the biggest reason I got into oysters because he talks about like how he just went out on an oyster boat when he was a kid and he didn't give a shit about food but then he like saw people just lifting these shells up from the sea and stabbing a knife in them and just slurping them down and it felt so like forbidden and like seductive and transgressive that he's like i've got to try one of those and he did and he's he it like is the thing he quotes as being like the reason he got really into food and i think that all checks like you don't need anything else like that and it's just like a concentrated flavor blast of 
whatever water they came out of. Yeah, exactly. And that's I think, dope. That's incredible. Yeah, I think that is one of the things I love about it is that it's just like, oh, I'm eating the ocean right now. Yeah, kind of. It, like, it's really transportative for me. Like, I could eat oysters anywhere and, and feel like, oh my gosh, I've just like traveled through time and space. Right. <laughs> Um, but I don't really know anything about them. Okay. Uh, you know, like whenever we order oysters, they always list out where it's from. And I'm always like, oh, just uh, give us a sample of all of them. Because I don't remember what I like. And right. so I wanted to do some research to see if maybe I could remember. Okay. Um, so first of all, oysters have been like cultivated for consumption uh, since at least 2000 BC in Japan. Uh, this is not a, a recent trend. Although um, New York used to be like the place to eat oysters. And when the Dutch arrived in the 17th century, the island was covered in oyster beds. Oh, like you could get oysters like at street vendors, um, but they really kind of ravaged those oyster beds. Right. And, and now, unfortunately, that is not the case. Um, I also didn't really know how oysters work, you know, which yeah. is kind of fascinating. So they usually reach maturity in a year. And they are protandric, which is not a word I was familiar with it, but it means they have male and female sexual organs, the yeah. male organs when they're young and then female later in life. So uh, they spawn as males in their first year. And then in the next two to three years, they spawn as females by releasing eggs. Uh, they usually, bay oysters usually spawn from June to August uh, because of the increase in water temperature. Huh. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, everybody, everybody's going, <laughs> and the water is just, like, clouded with eggs and sperm. Awesome. <laughs> Fucking spring break, baby! <laughs> exactly. Um, so then the oyster larvae, um, they're, like, less than an inch long, uh, and and they kind of are, are nowadays, like, stimulated to to adult where the shell, status. Where the shell come from? They actually, I was reading something that suggests that they find shells, like, like, kind of like hermit crabs. They like cozy up in there. Where though? Well, I mean, there's shells everywhere in the water. But they don't grow their own shell? No, I don't think so. So they just go to a shell they find and they jizz in it and they're like, <laughs> this is your home. Bye. Good luck. Now you're Googling. <laughs> Do oyster grow its shell? <laughs> so here's what I read that made me think that. So I read something that said the eggs become fertilized in the water and develop into larvae, which eventually find suitable sites such as another oyster shell on which to settle. But they also do definitely grow their own shells. Oh, they do? Yeah, for okay. sure. I mean, something would have to come first, right? Like at some point. Right. <laughs> the first oyster didn't wasn't just flopping around like a you know little bundle of snot in the ocean. It was like, oh, check out that dope shell. Let's live in that. I don't one know. I was picturing like a hermit crab scenario, but you're right. Like that. that ultimately, it doesn't make sense going no, back to not, the beginning. Yeah, not. not <laughs> I actually, I, I, I only knew that because of Ether Sea because I did a a clam based oh. sort of episode, and I also thought like. Do clams just find shells laying around and go for it? There are marine biologists listening to this who are just rotating know. wildly. I know. I'm screaming. going to get so many links on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but I didn't I didn't research the shell part because usually what I do is I eat the inside. I don't know if that's you unique to me. You should try the outside. Mm -hmm. It hurt <laughs> so bad. Uh, okay. So there are, there are kind of 
two kinds of oysters. There are true oysters, which are the ones that are edible, and then there are pearl oysters. Um, it turns out almost all shell-bearing mollusks can make pearls, but most are not very yeah, valuable. Yeah, it's just sand that they just kind of goosh together, right? Well, here's the thing. they can Pearls can form in both salt water and fresh water. That's interesting. Yeah, which I didn't know. Five species of edible oysters. Um, there are the Pacific oysters, or sometimes called the Japanese oysters, the Kumamoto oysters, the European flat oysters, Atlantic oysters, and Olympia oysters. Um, what makes them different is kind of like the size of the shell. So right. European flat has a large straight shell. Pacific oysters are smaller with wavy casings. Kumamotos are also smaller, but the shell is rounder. And Olympias also are kind of smaller and rounder um, with some iridescent coloring. Oh, oh and funny. the Atlantic looks, <laughs> in this description I read, the Atlantic looks like a comma or teardrop and tends to be on the larger side. Okay. So I, that's I get like that. helpful, yeah, right? I understand that, yeah. Yeah, because when you go to a restaurant and they bring you out, I don't know if this happens to everybody, but for us, they'll bring us out a little tray and then they'll very quickly tell you what each one is. And then they walk away and I immediately forget. It's all gone from my mind. <laughs> so it's helpful now at least to have like the shells as a, a reference point. Uh, oysters also supposedly taste better in the winter huh. uh, just because they are colder and the colder they are, the better, uh, especially before refrigeration. And the summer months, as I mentioned, is when they're spawning and they have kind of a weaker watery flavor. Huh. So yeah, so there are, there are certain places like oyster farms and companies that like don't even bother to bring in oysters in the summer. Huh. Not as fascinating. Not as tasty. And they used to say like in months ending in R was like the advice on when to eat oysters. Let's let's really throw our hat over the fence here. What is your favorite way to dress an oyster? I just like lemon juice. Yeah. I do lemon juice and sometimes I will do like a molecule of horseradish. Yeah. Cuz it really it really ignites the whole thing. <laughs> it's like oyster nitro. I think if I had been eating oysters for longer, maybe I would be more adventurous, but like I still feel like I'm figuring out what I like about them. Yeah. So I don't want to like put a bunch of other flavor it's on it. It's what's so fun about eating oysters is yeah. we don't know. We really don't know. Any. I feel the same way about wine sometimes. Although like I've definitely had oysters I did not enjoy the taste of, but most of the time it's pretty good. Yeah, and I don't know that good. I can say that about wine, some of which tastes like um, stinky, like stinky medicine. <laughs> um, so oysters are also rumored to be an aphrodisiac. Well, yeah. Uh, but there's like no real evidence backing that up. Do you remember when I bought oysters for us to eat at home and we couldn't... We couldn't get into like most of them. <laughs> yeah. And most of them were pretty dead by the time, like had been long, long dead. Yeah. That was a big bummer. Yeah. I still like, I still want to figure that out though, because I feel like there's a way to do it. I don't have to go to a restaurant, do I? Do we I have think, to move? I think we have to move. <laughs> Um, oysters pack uh, a wallop of zinc. Uh, oh, my favorite. I'm just reading. Good for this. the bones, um, I think. Which maybe. is good for keeping up your energy. Uh, oh, and, you know, that that energy is kind of, I think, what people think of, like, as connected bone, to like your... boner energy. From, from, yeah, for, for bone, boning, bone. Boner energy. Bone zone. Uh, <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I'm so tired. You always get so uncomfortable... <laughs> Specifically, when we talk about boner energy, well, I I just like as somebody who uh, doesn't have that yeah. accoutrement, yeah, I yeah. feel like a little excluded. I guess I'll say, yeah. Well, 
<laughs> um, oysters also have iron, calcium, selenium, uh, vitamin A, and vitamin B12. And they're very locale and rich in protein. Yeah. So apparently two oysters uh, can get you all the zinc and vitamin B12 you need for your day. That's why every morning. I was reading this uh, this like article that said like, oh, you know, oysters are associated with being aphrodisiac. And then it said partially because they resemble female sex organs, which I was like, what? That's not. That's not. Really? I don't. That's why? Maybe you. <laughs> are you? I mean, it, it, you could say the same of any food if you work with it long enough. <laughs> Why are these mashed potatoes making me so horny? Look at it. Which is oh, a great wow. time really... to introduce our new cooking show. Uh-huh. Uh, which is any food is sexy if yeah. you work with it long enough. Each and make week make it look like a sex organ. Each week competitors are yeah. tasked with creating a delicious dish and then shaping it into a sex organ. That I would yeah, I'd watch that. Our judges are Our judges are Prue. <laughs> Still Prue. Still Prue. Still gotta have Prue. Who is nasty now. Um, <laughs> I really want to eat some fucking oysters. I babe. know. See, I was maybe gonna go buy some today, but now now you're acting like it would be it would it would be a bad idea. Can you get carry out oysters? I imagine it's like a mm. transporting a human heart for surgery. Yeah, they give experience. you like seven minutes to get there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to do some research, okay. but I would really like to eat some today. Yeah. Uh that, that's oysters. I love I love those slimy little guys. That's oysters. And the shells are pretty too. They are. Can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? Is <laughs> factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. 
with I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Got a couple rumple prompts here, and I would love to read the first one because it is for Tyler. And it's from Kelsey, who says, From Space Jam to Apple Jelly and all the memories we've made together in between, each moment is a pinpoint for all the reasons that I love you. I'm forever happy you are my last and final Tinder match. I can't wait to eat dinner standing in our kitchen listening to the McElroys with you forever. You know, I ate a whole jar of Apple Jelly while watching Space Jam once. Can I tell you that Space Jam and Apple Jelly... It is it it's, is symmetrical in a nice it's, way. It's nice, and also like I I feel like a whole poem could be written just about that phrase. Yeah, and I want to talk about apple jam and space jelly. <laughs> space jelly would be a fun sort of like uh like parody, uh like scary movie style parody. Of yeah, space I'm trying jam. to think about how that song would go. Like, come on and jelly, jelly, and welcome to the jelly space jelly. <laughs> I don't know what's so hard about this. It's easy, and it flows right from the tongue. Can I read you the next one? Yeah. This message is for Sable. It is from Max. Hi, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Oh, sorry. (laughs) You're my very best friend, and these past four-plus years have been really nice. I hope you're listening to this while knee-deep in plant dirt so that I can remind you that you're gross and sweaty and need to take a shower when you get inside. Let's do sushi for dinner. Love your freezer. Listen, I have no green thumbs, right? Uh, but I'm pretty sure that you should not be burying your your the lower half of your legs when you are doing gardening. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, if that's happening, you are you have made a mistake somewhere. I love the uh, utility of the jumbotron in mm-hmm. that you can tell your partner that you love them and also that they should take a shower. Yeah. And also <laughs> that, hey, it's sushi tonight. Yeah. I like that the most. It's a whole to-do list crossed off. Sure. Well, Manolo, we have a show to promote. It's called Dr. Game Show. It's a family-friendly podcast where listeners submit games and we play them with callers from around the world. No, sounds good. New episodes uh, happen every other Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. It's a it's a fast and loose oasis of absurd innocence and naivete. And Are you writing a poem? No, and just saying things from my memory. And uh, it's a nice break from reality. <laughs> Is that, are we allowed to say that? I don't know, it sounds bad. It comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. It does not. <laughs> Come for the games and stay for the chaos. I very much enjoyed researching my thing for this segment. I want to say that at the top. Um, I was waiting for you to prompt me, though, like because you're always got to be like, please tell me about it. Hey, Griffin. Yeah. Uh, I would really like to hear what you brought this week to us. I brought cosplay this week to oh us. Oh, my gosh. So we just went to, we were working at Emerald City Comic Con, which was a blast, by the way. If you came out, we met a bunch of wonderful fans, and that was rad. And we did shows that went great, and the city is 
It was also uh, it's also my first convention ever, yeah. either as like an attendee or like a guest, and wow, it it was really fun to watch the show both through your eyes and Henry's eyes. Yeah, um, because they I've been to so many of these, both from like the gaming side when I was working at at Joystick and then Polygon. And then, you know, for the graphic novels, like doing San Diego Comic-Con every year and, uh, you know, Dragon Con and like all a bunch of cons that I'm pretty like uh, inured to it. Um, Something like clicked in my brain because, you know, I have been to events where people are in cosplay and I always was kind of like, how did this happen? Where did this start? Like, like, how did they put together this idea to come dressed as a character. And then when we, I went to the the Emerald City Comic Con, I was like, oh, this is it. Right. This is where it starts, right, right here. Right. I actually have some stuff on the history of cosplay that I'm like excited to talk about. Yeah. It is especially at these like specifically Comic Cons, like the cosplay is so is so strong. Um but I've been to again, I've been to so many of these shows that like it doesn't necessarily register with me unless the cosplay is like buck wild that is what is crazy to me because so we went on when we started with the joko cruise which is like a cruise for people who are usually interested in things like you know nerd shit you can say right yeah comic books and video games and all that stuff and and that was kind of my first experience of being somewhere where people were in cosplay right and I remember just kind of, I feel like I was looking around like, is everybody seeing this? Yeah. <laughs> and you were like not reacting in that way. And I was like, Griffin is so comfortable with this immediately. And now it makes sense that you like started at this convention life pretty yeah. early. Uh, but with Henry specifically this time, we took him to the show floor like once or twice. And it was like we had just transported him to fucking imagination land where anything was possible. Because yeah. he just like, uh, he was just running around feverishly like there's a big snorlax <laughs> there's a big pikachu yeah. he went he got um he got an action pose with what he called a a guy with a big sword and it was cloud strife from final fantasy 7 <laughs> and it and he looks so cool in his yeah. like action pose right next to it. and and for him like i think he knows it, for him it's not just people wearing costumes although i do think he knows that on some sort of deeper yeah, level because so he too. saw a snorlax with his head <laughs> fucking off yeah. in the elevator and he didn't have a complete like meltdown like what what happened it's interesting snorlax? because for his birthday as you may recall if you've listened to a recent episode we invited uh, a spider-man a boy, a boy performer a boy performer that was dressed as spider-man and I'm wondering if something was happening in his head, like, wait, wait a minute, there's Spider-Man's here too, <laughs> right? Yeah, it it it's amazing though because even though he knows, I think that they're not just that they're not the real guys, like it's still like, oh, these are those characters that are walking and talking because some part of cosplay, not everyone, but some of it, it it is like a, there's a role playing element to it where they are. Not just yeah. they don't just look like those characters; they are in in character, and so I think especially in cases like that. Uh, you know, he walks away from Cloud Stripe saying, man, that guy was so brooding. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. He's tortured by his past. And anyway, uh, big thanks, by the way, to all the cosplayers who are like super nice to our son. Yeah. And not, and not like, get the fuck out of the way, kid. I'm trying to meet John Cena. Um, <laughs> so the term cosplay uh, was originally a Japanese portmanteau of costume and play uh, that was coined by a guy named uh, Nobuyuki Takahashi. 
when he attended the 1984 World Science Fiction Convention in Los Angeles. And by that point, what they call Worldcon had so much cosplay going on that he wrote about it for a, a Japanese magazine. And that article kind of like set fire to this this cosplay concept that already existed in Japan to some extent, but really like really took it to the next level. Uh, in those days, like early cosplay in America, uh, which again, I'll, I'll get into in a bit, they would call them like masquerade events. But the Japanese interpretation of the word masquerade like translates to uh, aristocratic like costumes, which he didn't think was appropriate because, you know, it was nerd shit from 1984. Uh, and so he came up with the, the portmanteau cosplay. Uh, and since then, like, you know, it took off pretty much all over the world. Uh, the practice of cosplay, though, is attributed to a woman whose name was Myrtle Rebecca Douglas Smith Gray Nolan, also known as Myrtle R. Douglas, and also known as Morojo in <laughs> oh the like, cosplay scene. How can they trace it back to one person? That's incredible. Because she went to the first Worldcon in 1939. In 1939, this is like where it sources back to. Uh, she was she was a wild one. Like she was big into Esperanto. Like met her boyfriend at the time through the Esperanto community, and that's where Morojo comes from. Is it's like the uh, Esperanto translation of her name's initials. Anyway, uh, her and her boyfriend dressed up for this 1939 Worldcon in what she called futuristic costumes. In one again portmanteau smashed together in one word. <laughs> so like a pair of jeans. Uh, no and a hoodie. <laughs> no, it was uh, they wore these outfits based on this old pulp comic. Uh, that were like, you know, green spandex and like a cape and like, you know, a costume. And then uh, her, her boyfriend, a guy named Forrest J. Ackerman, is quoted as saying that he thought everybody was going to wear co like costumes <laughs> to this comic convention, but they were literally the only two people who did it. So that is, they are sourced as like the Adam and Eve of this, of this like entire concept of dressing up for conventions. But then in the next few world cons, like more people did it, more what people did it. What a great outcome. I wonder if they were like embarrassed that year and were like, oh man, okay, we're not going to do that again. And then they come back and it's like, everyone's like, that was a really great idea. Just based on the pictures that were taken of Morojo at that time, she does not look embarrassed <laughs> fucking at all. She, she like wrote fanzines for sci-fi in like 1940, wow. which is fucking bonkers. To like, obviously there were sci-fi writers that were doing shit back then. But this idea of this kind of fandom that is so recognizable today existing in the 30s is 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 profound i feel like yeah no kidding i mean this is like an era where people like you know if they were going to wear a skirt to school it had to be like below their knees or they would get in trouble like this idea of just like dressing in a totally like unfamiliar outfit was, and going somewhere it was the same decade as world war 2 people were dressing up in, in cosplay and that's that's so rad in Japan, cosplay like took off in the seventies at fan conventions, uh, especially after this article from Takahashi came out. Uh, it just it just blew up uh, in the late nineties. Like that's when you start to see things like cosplay cafes in Akihabara, and I mean, there's more and more we could go into here uh, in terms of like uh, the industry of of cosplay because there is an enormous industry for for cosplay of can people I, who make costumes and makeup and hair and all that stuff. Uh, can I ask you? Have yeah. you? Have I ever cosplayed? Yeah. No, I don't. No, 
I have not. Uh, what What do you think? What do you think's going on there? Because it, it seems like you really enjoy it. Is this just not for you personally? Uh, 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 honestly, do you want the real truth? It's a confidence thing. I think. Like yeah. I would not. Um, first of all, whenever I'm at a convention, I'm working. So like, that's, <laughs> that's kind of a that's, that's true, but not when you were little. When not you were when little, I was little, you didn't. No. Well, I did. I, in when I was little, the only convention I ever went to up through you know till I graduated high school was Mid Ohio Con, yeah. and at those, like I wasn't all about you know walking walking the show floor. I would do a lap and buy a sword. Um, I was mostly <laughs> in it for the Pokemon card game uh, tournaments. Oh. Uh, yeah. And that was all business too. That was all business too. You know, I was in it. I was with I had a little to, briefcase of cards. I had to win the prize money to bring back home to help support the family. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm curious about it. But like when I think about doing it myself, it sends a chill up my spine. Like yeah. I don't, I just don't think uh, it's not just a fear thing. Like I don't think I'd enjoy it. Uh, yeah, but I do, well, I do enjoy. Like I love. I love to see it. And I think after this, specifically this convention, you know, it has got me a little bit more excited to see it because I've taken for granted seeing like, oh, well, there's a, you know, a, a super realistic, you know, uh, link or whatever. Yeah. I just see that and I'm like, oh, cool. But now, I don't know, there's there's a performer in there. There's somebody who worked really hard on this on this thing. Yeah. And you get, to, you get to, it's very generous in a way because you get to sort of benefit from the fruits of their labor. Well, and also how crazy is it that people like cosplay as characters that you all created? That is another big thing, <laughs> In Adventure Zone. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I don't take that for granted. Like, that still blows yeah. me the fuck away every single time. Yeah. Uh, and there was some stunning Taz cosplay yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's it is a it is a neat thing, but I feel like it is probably not uncommon to kind of tune out a little bit when you've been to enough conventions. And the people who do this, I imagine, go to a lot of conventions. Um, but objectively, it's a it's a very cool thing, and it was really fun to kind of share that with 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 well with all of you guys. Yeah, for me, I was like I was trying to like be chill because I because I could tell that like y'all like as McElroys were more used to it than I was. I was like, oh, yeah, no, totally. That's, yeah, okay, cool. This person is dressed as a character that I know of. But I was I was still just like, like I had entered like another dimension of just like, oh my gosh, this person in the elevator that I'm with or this person yeah. in the bathroom or this person in the restaurant. Like, oh my gosh, like it was still like wild to There's me. There's something kind of fun about being used to it though because like you can, it, it's not strange to you anymore. That's, I guess, I guess that's the way of putting it. I see a big Snorlax in the same elevator as me and it's not weird. And so there is a certain part of it that's just like, when I am in this place at this event, yeah. it is a kind of other world uh, yeah. than the one that I live in where I don't usually see Snorlaxes, which is the <laughs> You know, I saw that Snorlax and I was like, why is Henry not losing his mind right now? And then I realized that he had seen the Snorlax earlier. Oh, yeah. He had, yeah. So and even I was, he is, he's gotten used to it. <laughs> I know. I'm just glad he didn't call him Totoro because I know he gets those two confused a lot. He does. And that would have been, would have been personally for me, humiliating. <laughs> Thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for the use for our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Um, and thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Hey, can you talk about Maximum Fun while I look something up on my phone? Thank you. Sure. Uh, yeah, Maximum Fun uh, has tons of great shows and they are adding new shows regularly. Uh, and I would recommend if you haven't checked it out in a while to go to MaximumFun.org. I'm sure they have something for you. 
Uh, hey, we got the virtual Candle Night special coming up. It's going to happen on December 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's a pre-taped video spectacular, sales for which benefit Harmony House, uh, a, a institution in Huntington, West Virginia, that uh, goes to benefit people experiencing homelessness. Uh, I, I don't know why I call it an institution. It's a, it's a group that does really great work in Huntington. Uh, tickets are on sale now for $5 with an option to give more. Uh, and you can get those tickets at bit.ly slash Candle Nights 2021. And there will be a video on demand available through January 2nd if you can't make that that date. Uh, all the shows have done segments. We did a fun cooking segment. Yeah. That is I really weird. like, I, w- I feel like this should be required viewing for people that are trying to get in the holiday spirit because it is, it is like a explosion. It's like a gusher of holiday spirit. Sure. It's a real gusher, <laughs> this one. And we have a bunch of special guests that we're, uh, we're going to not talk about. Keep it a secret. Keep it safe. Uh, hey, we also have the Zone of Adventure Imbalance video series, all three episodes of which are out now on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the McRoy family. It's set in the balance universe. We all play balance characters. I still uh, haven't watched it. Did uh, you know that? It's embarrassing. It is. It's, it's No, it's fine. You've, I know how busy you are, my love. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was DM'd by Abria Iyengar, who did a kick-ass job, and we're really proud of it, and you should watch it. And also, there's new merch over at McElroyMerch.com that you should also go and check out. Uh, I think that's it, huh? I think that is all of it, yes. Come to the end of the road, but I can't let go. It's un- it's unnatural? Is that what it says? <laughs> yeah. I, I be- you belong be- to me. I think maybe to take us out, let's, um, you know, I'm still got that Seattle spirit in me. Okay. So if we could just, Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. <sighs> Sing it with me now. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. No, no thank you. Baby, I'll see my back. Baby? I got you, babe. You're getting better and better at that, which is uncomfortable but for me. But I don't know what to do with those salad and scrambled eggs. Can I say how proud of you that I and and your brothers uh, by association that nobody referenced that when we were in Seattle? Colin again. Oh, they'd be they'd fucking tear us apart. <laughs> they they fucking hate Fraser up there. I understand that. <laughs> Fuck that guy. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.